Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Time now for the 2024 New York Mets Hot Stove Preview on WCBS 880. The 3-1. Hit in the air, deep right field. Brennan going back to the track, to the wall. It's gone. Right center field. The polar bear plunges one into the Cleveland bullpen. It's a game-tying grand slam. We're getting you ready for Mets baseball in 2024. Ramirez hits a ground ball to the shortstop hole. Lindor backhands the second one. McNeil the first. Put it in the box. Oh, baby, to the Mets turn. A beautiful double play and a classic pitching duel. Here are your hosts, Keith Rad, Pat McCarthy, and the voice of the New York Mets, Howie Rose. Thank you and welcome to the 2024 New York Mets season here on WCBS 880. This is our Mets spring preview show. We're still about a week away from exhibition games actually beginning, but the players, particularly the pitchers and catchers, have been filing into Port St. Lucie for the last few days, so clearly spring training is well underway, which means everybody's tied for first place around Major League Baseball. Everybody is reasonably optimistic, and now we get to dig into where the Mets may be and hopefully are better than they were during their 75-win season of 2023. I'm happy to be joined by my on-air broadcast partners, Keith Rad and Pat McCarthy. Great to have you both back. Now, Keith, let's start with you, and if I can get personal for a moment, your first winner as a dad. Are you aiming to get down here as soon as possible? Yeah, it depends on who I'm talking to, Howie. When I'm with my family, this is the greatest time on earth. But I look out the window and I see snow and I see the shovel. And I know my my six-month-old Charlotte, she's not going to pick up the shovel to get out there. So I'm very ready to leave the snow in New York and head down to Florida because I'm looking forward to the the flowers pushing through the, the proverbial snow and getting going. Well, we're especially glad to have Pat with us from day one here in spring training because you had quite the offseason, beginning with a serious accident right after the end of the regular season. And before we just get into the crux of this show and the bets, uh, just tell us, for those who aren't familiar with what you went through, what the ordeal was and how you're feeling now. Yeah, Howie, thanks. Uh, I'm feeling great. I mean, that's the that's the most important thing. After my 10 broken ribs that I suffered at the at the end of the regular season, in the middle of the postseason, spent a couple of months laying up on the couch. But, you know, fortunately, uh, with the love of my family and the support of everybody else, I'm I'm back up, ready to go and, and excited to uh, get down to spring training. So it's all about baseball now. And it starts with not only some new players, but a new manager for the Mets and Carlos Mendoza. 
most recently the bench coach for Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Keith, when we found out at the end of the regular season that Buck Showalter would not be back next year, were you, and of course that means now this year, were you surprised that the Mets went for someone without major league managing experience? I was just a little bit, you know, having done the big league thing for my first year and getting a taste of what it entails, you know, having to talk to the media twice a day and having to basically, you know, cover a little bit and put on a show a little bit when you talk to the media twice a day, it's difficult. And then you have to handle a, a big league clubhouse with a lot of money. I thought somebody like Buck Showalter really knew what that was all about. And so I thought, you know, someone with experience it needs to do this job. So I was a little surprised that Carlos Mendoza was selected. He doesn't have any managerial experience in the major leagues, but what he does have is bench coach experience in New York, shoulder to shoulder with Aaron Boone with the New York Yankees. So he basically observed what the job would be, in my opinion. So that that alleviated some of just my concerns, and I'm sure David Stearns was excited to hand the keys to a, a young, youthful, vibrant personality that I guess in, in his estimation and in his interviews felt that, well, he can handle the clubhouse and he's at least seen what handling the media twice a day can be with Aaron Boone and, and hopefully he can do that with the Mets. And Pat, you're on the field before and after games, very often contributing post-game interviews, so you get a somewhat unique feel for what the mood and the overall uh, texture around the ball club is did you get a sense late last year that a change was coming as far as the manager was concerned? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think that we all knew that there was a chance of the change coming just because of the way the club had, had finished and with David coming in that sometimes when there's regime changes, that also means there's changes in coaching staffs. But, you know, Buck Showalter was coming off a manager of the year award just a year ago. So I, I think a lot of people thought that, with the injuries that were coming back the next season and having a full spring training with no WBC, I think a lot of people expected Buck to be back for, for this year. But, you know, the Mets obviously decided that it was time to make a change. And, and I'm with Keith. I, I think that they are bringing in somebody in Carlos Mendoza that has really worked his way through the system and has burned this spot as a big league manager and has kind of paid his dues, uh, not just, you know, managing in the lower levels, but also as a bench coach. So I'm excited for, for this year, and I'm excited to, to see how things change under Carlos Mendoza and how this team responds to uh, his role as the manager. Now, Howie, what interests me, too, is the fact that since Terry Collins left, there has been, I get you I probably call it some instability of manager or general manager. I mean, think about Brandon Nimmo, who's been here since the end of Terry Collins. He's had to deal with a lot of different personalities, how much, in your estimation, is David Stearns coming in and, and hopefully providing a little stability to this organization? How do you think that maybe changes the direction of this organization? Uh, hopefully is certainly the key word there because they could use some stability in that seat. You know, you mentioned uh, Brandon Nimmo having played for Terry Collins. Since Terry left, they went through Mickey Calloway. That didn't last long. Carlos Beltran didn't even get to opening day. Uh, Luis Rojas lasted two seasons, as did Buck Showalter. So certainly there needs to be some stability within the clubhouse. I don't think there's any question about that. And, it, you know, it also bodes for um, the kind of transition season that was hinted at even before last season ended, when the Mets met with Max Scherzer, as David, I should say, when Steve Cohen met with Max Scherzer and uh, Justin Verlander and let them know that, that things are going to be a little different 
this offseason, as we've seen in terms of the lack of big names and huge contracts, although the caveat is they, they were in on Yamamoto as hard as anyone and offered pretty much the same deal that the Dodgers did, but uh, that ship certainly sailed. And so now the Mets are using this as something of a transition year. But I think for Carlos Mendoza, the mandate is not, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're punting on this year at all. Because you look at the last two National League champions, you had the Arizona Diamondbacks win, what, 83 games last year? And before that, the Philadelphia Phillies won 87. So then the question really becomes, and this is for both of you, is there enough talent in this camp right now to stay in contention and perhaps get a wild card spot at the very least uh, in 2024? I personally am pretty bullish on on this year, and I'm interested at some of the calculations that David Stearns has made putting together, especially with the starting rotation, some of these shorter-term deals, Sean Manaya coming in, Luis Severino taking a flyer on those guys. And I think that even though it may not be the sexiest starting rotation like we saw last year with all those glistening dollar bills with Scherzer and Verlander, it's one that you hope can provide stability and get you to the bullpen because where Stearns and the Mets have seemed to spend on some pieces is that bullpen to hopefully win you games. So I, I personally think that, you know, if this starting rotation can get you five or six innings, keep you in the game, the offense, Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, they can shine and hopefully win you some of those close games. And then the bullpen can, can close it out at the back end. Yeah. I think the way that baseball is set up right now with the expanded playoffs is all you have to do is get in. Right, We've seen that over the last couple of years. We saw it in 2022 with the Phillies and the Padres who made the run, and we saw it last year with the Diamondbacks, that sometimes it takes just winning 83, 84 games to get into the playoffs and getting hot at the right time. I think that this rotation is built to be a very steady rotation. Now, obviously, there are some question marks, which Luis Severino are the Mets going to get this year, but I think having Jose Quintana for a full season is really going to help. What kind of strides are Kodai Senga going to make in his second season uh, as a starting pitcher? And can he take the reins as the ace of this staff? And, and I'm excited to see a guy like Adrian Hauser to see how he performs because he can be a really steady fourth or fifth starter for this team. And and I think having that constant turnover in the rotation for you know one through six is going to be really beneficial. Uh, one person who is very familiar with Adrian Hauser is the Mets' new president of baseball operations, David Stearns, who employed Hauser in Milwaukee. And we've got a lot to cover here on the Mets' spring preview show. We will talk to David Stearns. And also Keith and Pat are going to chat with one of the new Mets' starting pitchers, Sean Manaya. It's all coming up on our spring preview show right here on WCBS 880. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, back to the 2024 New York Mets Hot Stove Preview on your home for Mets baseball, WCBS 880. Back here on the Mets Preview show. We are joined by new Mets pitcher Sean Manaya. Sean, when Mets fans see you, they will notice that big, big, beautiful head of hair that you have on top of your head. What is your actual hat size? So my without hair, I'm like seven and five eighths. Um, and then as I was growing it out, it went up to the biggest I wore was an eight. But funny enough, I'm back down to seven and five eighths which I don't understand why, but we're here. So that's uh, that's about it. The 7 and 5 eighths uh, basically just doesn't, the hat is like snug enough to where it doesn't like fall off. Uh, so that's good, which I don't want during, a, as I'm pitching. So after life on the West Coast for your first eight years in the major leagues, Giants, Padres, what was so intriguing about taking a deal in New York, which is a pretty big culture change? Yeah, huge, uh, huge goal to change. I mean, I'm from Indiana, so I'm not like a California native or anything like that. Get kind of used to a place if you're there long enough. But, you know, just excited for uh, a new challenge. You know, the only times I've been to New York have been uh, where I played the, the Mets or Yankees. And each time I've, I've gone, I'm like just super excited to come just to explore the city and, you know, all it has to offer with the food and the sights and places to walk around it's yeah super exciting and obviously the the games are crazy sometimes and yeah every time i've uh, i've come here i've always had a great experience i'm sure it's fun to have mets fans on your side this time around instead of being a being a, a quote-unquote villain i'm sure with the the other teams when you talk to david stearns and the mets in the offseason what were some of the things that you weighed on the field that was some of your biggest reasons why you decided to come to the mets one thing i want to do is uh start i view myself as a starting pitcher and just the opportunity for that so i think we had the you know the same vision and uh you know david seemed you know really on board with that so made that decision pretty easy for me well sean you mentioned wanting to start uh consistently last year you had that swing role with the giants how, how did you approach that role and and how excited are you to get an opportunity to you know to start every five days as far as approaching it i just kind of you know went with the flow and adapted on the fly just because I had never done anything like that before over my career and it just uh kind of happened so I had to learn on my feet and you know just roll with it and it was uh, a very interesting experience but yeah I loved every second of it and yeah as far as starting just the opportunity to go out there and, and throw um is really you know all I want and yeah just very excited for that yeah just showcase what I can bring to the table. When you were with the Giants last year, it was pretty well documented that you were able to add a couple of ticks of velocity. I think you were a driveline guy with with that, being able to just build up some more velo. But with, with velocity and that sweeper that David Stearns, you can see that big smile on his face when he talks about the sweeper that you've added to your arsenal, this idea of kind of constantly improving, where do you get the drive to keep looking for more out of yourself? You know, I just think I'm a really, really good pitcher, you know, to have points of not success, you know, it kind of forces you to look at what you're doing with your time and your energy and, you know, take a step back and 
okay, is this enough or is this, you know, can I improve on this or is this good or stuff like that? And, you know, I found that my off seasons weren't as good as they, as they could be. So yeah, I mean, I want to, you know, be in this game for a long time and yeah, that means you have to keep improving because every generation just keeps getting better and better. And yeah, you got to be able to hang with everybody. And, and luckily with the Mets, there's there's some help there with uh, Jeremy Hefner, the Mets pitching coach, who has been able to, I guess, withstand a few regime changes because everybody loves Jeremy's message. What have your first few inklings of conversations been now that you're in Florida getting set, getting comfortable in blue and orange and, and chatting with your new pitching coach? It's been great so far. His uh, personality is is great. You know, I've had a couple different guys that have worked with him, you know, say how good of a, you know, human being, first of all, that he is. And yeah, you know, just conversations that we've had about, you know, metrics and data and all that stuff have really, uh, you know, hit home and just the way he communicates, at least with me, I assume with, uh, you know, pretty much everybody else, he does the same thing, but just the way he communicates, you know, makes it easy to want to go out there and perform well. Sean, in past interviews, you've talked about uh, your relationship with your family. And I, w- I wanted to ask you about your brother, uh, who served in the military. So when you were in San Diego, they have Military Appreciation uh, Day every Sunday. And what was that experience like for you and your family to to be able to blend those two worlds? Yeah, he was in uh, Oceanside while I was in San Diego, which was amazing because he, ne- he had never seen me uh, play before. So um, in 2021, I think it was the first time he got to see me play professionally because he'd been in you know, all over the world for eight years or nine years or at that point. So yeah, for him to be in Oceanside, which is only like 40 minutes away from San Diego, yeah, he can come down pretty much every time I pitch, which is great. And uh, yeah, the day was really cool just because, yeah, he got to be out there on the field. And But my mom had had no idea. And, uh, you know, as she was watching the game, yeah, she was just overcome with, you know, happiness and, you know, all those uh, those great emotions. So, um, yeah, it was a very beautiful moment. And, uh, you know, definitely one of the you know, things I'll, I'll look back and be like, man, that was such a cool, cool experience for both of us. Yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, let's go back to 2018 in Oakland against the Red Sox. Uh, you throw the no-hitter. You, you, what, what do you remember most about that day? And uh, at what point in that ball game did you think, man, I, I've got something special going? I mean, the, the whole game is pretty, I wouldn't say vivid, but definitely, uh, I definitely remember a lot of it more than most most other games. But I would say the, uh, you know, getting, getting the last out and then, you know, hugging Luke Roy for like, what seemed 10 seconds before everyone got in there. And then, you know, in the middle of the, the dog pile or whatever you want to call it, it was just like a silent for like five seconds in the middle of, you know, all the boys was uh, probably one of the coolest feelings just because in that moment I was like, it, it happened. You know, we did it. Like that was, that was so, so cool. And obviously that was like one of the coolest things I've ever done. So that, that camaraderie of being able to jump up and down with, with, your teammates. I'm, I'm wondering now that you're a brand new teammate in a new place. Uh, there's always the pitchers are with the pitchers, the hitters are with the hitters, and certainly the starters kind of hang with the starters and the bullpens with the bullpen. So how do you create the vibes of a rotation? How do you guys stay together? Because I know you've been with a couple different rotations now in your big league career. And what guy do you hope to be? What role do you hope to be in the rotation and in the clubhouse? You know, I think... Um... Spring training is obviously not only for getting ready on the field, but, you know, as a new guy here, uh, getting to know my teammates better. So, you know, hopefully we can go out to dinner at some point and hang out and get to know each other better, obviously doing stuff at the at the field. Um, you know, just short little interactions over time just kind of build up and, you know, you start to form bonds. And, yeah, you know, I think the strength of the staff is 
not just any one single person. It's it is the staff. So obviously it's a long season. So you know, just kind of pulling for each other and and uh, you know, just being selfish in any one way. Well, Sean, we appreciate the time. Best of luck. Stay healthy, and we'll see you in 2024 at City Field. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Good. That was Sean Manaya, one of the new starting pitchers in the Mets rotation for 2024. And when we get back, we will talk to the architect of this and future editions of the New York Mets, the new president of baseball operations, David Stern, coming up right after this on the Mets Spring Preview Show here on WCBS 880. Back to the 2024 New York Mets Hot Stove Preview on your home for Mets baseball, WCBS 880. Welcome back to our Mets Spring Preview Show here on WCBS 880. I'm Howie Rose along with my broadcast partners Keith Rad and Pat McCarthy. And we are happy to be joined right now by the new president of baseball operations for the New York Mets, David Stearns, who grew up on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. So, David... My first question to you has to be, how many old friends that you hadn't seen since third grade and junior high school and high school have come out of the woodwork to reintroduce themselves to you? There's, there's been quite a bit of that, as, uh, as you might imagine, but it's fun. Frankly, it's allowed me to reconnect um, with, with some people I haven't spoken to in a little while. A lot of people who are Mets fans, who I grew up being a Mets fan with, going to games with. Um, and, uh, and so it's been fun. It's it's been really nice to be back in New York. Uh, nice to reconnect with a lot of people, and I am certain uh, many of them will will find their way out to City Field over the course of this year. Well, it's such a unique position to be in to have been a big fan of the team, and now evolved to where you have, uh, you know, a significant amount of say into the fortunes of that team for this year and beyond. So when you look at the group that's assembled here in Port St. Lucie. Do you expect that this will be the group from which you will take 26 players north, or are there still some transactions that could take place between now and March 28th? Yeah, I, I definitely think the offseason is extending later and later into spring training. Um, I don't know that we're going to make meaningful transactions from here on out, but there are certainly a number of quality players still available. Uh, we're, we're in touch with a number of them. And so we'll sort of see how it plays out. I, I will say I feel good about the group we have uh, here right now, the group that will be here in a couple days on uh, on the first day of camp, um, and and so if that does end up being our our twenty six, I think that's a good place to be, um, and we're gonna have a good team. It, it's a group that definitely cares about winning. That's the theme that I feel developing within our clubhouse here is how much guys believe in this group, how much they expect to win, and uh, and that's a good place from which to start. David, how much of adding to the team once you step in and you get a glimpse of, okay, here are the guys that are part of the core, be here for a couple of years. When you start to build this team, how much are you complementing what's already here versus finding the best guy for the best spot at maybe the best price to build the roster out? Yeah, it's this delicate balance and requires all sorts of these somewhat nuanced trade-offs. And when you make those trade-offs, it's really tough to know at, at that exact moment whether it's the right trade-off or not. But we do have to be cognizant of allowing our young players to play. We do have to be cognizant that when we have players who have excelled at the minor league level and especially have proven they can play at AAA, at some point they need opportunity um, to both succeed and fail at the major league level. And for us to be successful long term, for us to be able to develop our own players 
and ultimately break them into the major league successfully, we're going to need to have that patience. Now, I, I've also been consistent. Like we, we need to compete. We need to win. And those are the expectations we hold internally. And those are the expectations of our fan base. And so that's a balance that we're going to have to strike. Uh, there are no perfect answers uh, to, to, to how exactly that works. There's some feel involved. And so as every opportunity comes before us to potentially bring a player into our organization, we're going to have to discuss and think about how it impacts some of our younger players' um, development and then make a decision. Talk about the younger players as, as giving them kind of room to be themselves. I know that in the Mets minor leagues, when I spent time there, guys would always talk about, man, this is such a tough place to get to the major leagues because as a major market team, they'll just go out and find somebody for $20 million a year that'll, that'll fill the role. So when these young guys do get a chance, it's almost intimidating to the point where they have to, they feel they have to play beyond what they're capable of. So how do you foster an environment where it is welcoming for younger players at the major league level while also holding them to that high standard when they get there? Yeah, I think it, it develops over time, and it's something that we have to be honest about and communicate with our players. We have to support our players. I think Carlos Mendoza is, is very uniquely situated to be able to do something like this. He's seen it in this market for a while. He also has a very robust player development background where he understands the needs of younger players. He understands how challenging it can be to be that prospect on the doorstep of the major leagues. And I think he will be able to provide that support, that perspective to our younger players, to our prospects as they begin to establish themselves um, in the big leagues. David, keeping on the theme of younger players, there, there's so much now with social media and prospects that, you know, they're given higher expectations at such a, a young age. And, and now, you know, Major League Baseball has decided to do these spring breakout games to highlight some of these young prospects. For you as a evaluator of young players, what can you take away from those types of games? Well, I think because those games come with a little bit of heightened intensity and heightened exposure, it is playing on a little bit of a bigger stage for some prospects, some guys who haven't been to the big leagues yet. You are under the lights. Uh, there's, there's generally a little bit more attention to those games, more media coverage. And so perhaps it's a slightly better simulation of what it's going to be like in the big. So I know for that game in particular, our guys are going to be up for it. They're going to be ready to go. It's going to be a fun environment. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. How do you guys decide which players you're going to use in the breakout game? It's something that, that'll be a discussion among our front office, Andy Green, who's running our player development apparatus, our minor league coaches. And it's part, right, who are our top prospects and who, who deserve to be in that game. We also have to remember we're in the middle of spring training and we're getting guys ready for the season. So we have to make sure that it makes sense in terms of their playing progression or their pitching progression uh, in terms of who, who's actually playing in that game. You know, one of the interesting moves that you made during this offseason was to bring in Harrison Bader as a free agent, who we know is a tremendously gifted center fielder. And so there's been a lot of uh, talk about how much time Brandon Nimmo will get in left field this year. I'm curious, too, about the fact that along this theme of young players, you've got a couple of outstanding prospects in this system who are middle infielders by trade, Jet Williams, Luis Angel, Acuna, and they've each dabbled a little bit in center field. But is getting Nimmo more games in left field, or either corner for that matter, preparatory to potentially having to uh, have Williams and Acuna and perhaps one or two others who are middle infielders but speedy uh, think about center field as a potential position for them at the big league level? There are probably a couple of elements to this. The first is 
we believe that having Harrison on our team and, and an elite center fielder makes us better this year and uh, allows us to structure our outfield in a little bit of a different way, gets Brandon over to a corner where we think he's going to be a well above average uh, left fielder. So that that's part of it. It doesn't preclude Brandon at all from playing in center, and I would expect at certain times this year we're going to see him in center and still playing a very quality center field. Then moving forward, I think you're right. I think it's natural as we have some young up-the-middle players, whether it's some of the infielders who can potentially play center field, Drew Gilbert, who's going to be in AAA this year. We do have up-the-middle players coming, and seeing Brandon a little bit more on left, allowing him to experience success there could be part of that going forward. Um, time will tell. You, you never know exactly when prospects uh, get there. Um, and then the third part of this a little bit is we want to keep Brandon on the field as much as possible. And we know how physically demanding center field can be. All all positions are demanding in their own right, but left field, there's a little bit less movement. There's a little bit less activity. And so getting him to a corner uh, with some regularity, we're hopeful will we'll allow him to stay on the field uh, throughout his time with the Mets. Well, there's one sort of elephant in the room that you're going to have to deal with all year, and that, of course, is the contract status of Pete Alonso, who is eligible for free agency at the end of the year. Um, can you unequivocally state that there will, in, well, if it's unequivocal, that there's no conditions, that he will get to free agency and any conversations that you have preparatory to a potential new deal will not take place until he reaches that status? I don't think I can unequivocally state that. I don't, I don't think we ever are going to draw any lines in the sand or um, say anything in absolutes. Uh, I also understand what this situation is. This is a really good player who's nearing the end of, of his time of team control. And most of the time, uh, those, those types of situations end up in free agency. And that's okay. That's the way our system works. Uh, uh, certainly, if Pete uh, wants to test free agency, we completely understand that. And I think in many ways support it. Uh, but we're going to absolutely keep in touch with him as well. Uh, we understand how good of a player he is, the type of power hitter he is, uh, what he means to our fan base and our organization. So um, what I'm looking forward to right now is uh, Pete having a good camp, getting through camp healthy, getting to opening day, and then let's get off and running for a really good regular season. One of the guys that you brought in from, or at least having uh, employed him before with the Milwaukee Brewers, Adrian Hauser, who right now slots in at the back of the starting rotation, um, what indicates to you that he might be capable of pitching 175 or 180 innings, which is something he hasn't done yet? And by way of a scouting report, what more can you tell us about what we can expect from him? Yeah, House is a guy who uh, has really been a quality pitcher in this league now for a while and, and maybe a little bit quietly because uh, he's been in this, this smaller market in Milwaukee for the entirety of his major league career. But he pounds the zone. Uh, he keeps the ball on the ground. I think throughout his career, he's continued to work on how to get opposite-handed hitters out, and I think he's made some progress with that over the last year in particular. And and also throughout his career, he's pitched in multiple roles, and some of that uh, explains uh, why he hasn't uh, put up those 150-plus inning seasons um, that ideally you'd love to get from a starting pitcher, but at times he's pitched out of the pen, at times he's pitched in the rotation. Uh, occasionally the nagging injury has popped up. But, but I am confident if he can stay healthy, if we can help keep him healthy throughout this year, that he could be a nice stabilizing force for a rotation and, and take the ball every five or six days. David, with the additions of Adrian Hauser, Sean Manaya, Luis Severino to the rotation that already 
we see Jose Quintana and Kodai Senga. When you acquire those three specifically, is there any common theme that they do as far as their identity that you really wanted out of them? Or is it is it just three individual different guys on this team? Interestingly, I think there are three actually fairly different guys and, and do things a little bit differently. And, and we like what they all do. But I do think they are at different places in their careers. Um uh, their arsenals are all a little bit different, um, but we feel like in in varying ways they're all going to contribute to our team. Uh, they're all primed for uh, good seasons this year for for various reasons, um, and I think they they mesh well with with our current group. And that's certainly been my observation thus far through the first week of pitchers and catchers. Here is that starting unit, that starting rotation, is bonding together, is working together. Uh, is feeding off of each other, and that's certainly the culture that good rotations have. David, Kodai kind of jumped on the scene last year as a rookie after such an amazing career in Japan. You know, what can Mets fans expect from him in his second season, and how can he build on what was already such a tremendous rookie year? I'm really looking forward to not only watching him on the field, but watching his work in between starts. From everything I've heard about Kodai, He's got a tremendous work ethic. He's very diligent with his preparation. He cares a tremendous about, about what he's doing in between taking the ball on the mound every five or six days. And I think that can serve as a tremendous example for the rest of our roster and our younger pitchers. In terms of him taking another step, the first thing I'd say is he had a really good year last year. And, and, and if he were to repeat that year, uh, I think that puts us in a really good spot. He, he's also a year more comfortable in the league. Um, whatever jitters or uncertainty may have existed at the front end of last year probably won't be there this year. He understands what the travel is about. He understands the nutrition. He understands the rigors of 162 major league game schedule. So I, I think all of that is now in the past, and he can really just focus on competing and being the best version of himself. Well, as we get ready to close, I'm imagining the sound of trumpets, which I hope you like, David, because that means that Edwin Diaz is back in business, and the more he pitches... The better off the team will be, of course, because generally he's in there when you're trying to hold on to a lead and nail down the save. So given that it's just about a full year now since his knee injury, is this a normal spring training for Edwin Diaz? Any restrictions? And do you expect that by opening day he is 100% without further concern relative to the injury? Our expectation is certainly that by opening day he'll be full go. And he's participating, I'd say, in... 99% of, of full camp here. We're probably being a little cautious on some of the PFP stuff just to make sure we don't overdo it early in camp. But he threw a live yesterday, looked really good. He's in good shape. He's all smiles. And the impact he has on the other guys around here is really noticeable. They're, they're thrilled that he's here. Uh, everyone is is very excited that he's healthy and going again. And so you know, a great addition to the team uh, that, that we're having back healthy this year. And I'm certainly looking forward to watching him close out a bunch of games over the course of the year. And we are all looking forward to working with you and being around this ball club as we prepare for the 2024 season. David, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you before you know it. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. That is David Stearns, the president of baseball operations of the New York Mets. We'll be back with more on our Mets spring preview show right after this, right here on WCBS 880. Now, back to the 2024 New York Mets Hot Stove Preview on your home for Mets baseball, WCBS 880. 
Welcome back to our Mets Spring Preview Show here on WCBS 880. I'm Howie Rose, along with my broadcast partners, Keith Radd and Pat McCarthy, as we move towards this new season for the New York Mets, where they have had some openings that uh, could have been filled this winter with those from outside the organization. But President of Operations David Stearns, from whom we heard just a couple of moments ago, has elected to you know, stay put, at least for the time being, and particularly at third base. We've got a couple of players, young players, and Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, who are going to be given further opportunity to prove that they can make a go of it at the big league level. Now, Keith, you've known Brett uh, since his days when he was a Brooklyn Cyclone. Were you surprised at the struggles that he went through last year, and how would you project his chances for nailing the position down and running with it this year? Yeah, I think as he has gotten back to Port St. Lucie this year, he has so far said and acknowledged the fact that he rode the mental roller coaster a little bit in 2023, and, and he did not play well. He did not hit well. He did not play defense well at third, and I think those things snowball together. But I think there's confidence in the fact that when you know somebody wasn't you know mentally had that edge about them like they did in the minor leagues as a first-round pick, I mean, he flew through the minor league system because of great performance, and I'm sure a lot of confidence and bravado behind that he didn't really have that at the big league level last year and that that struggle uh, swallowed him up so I think as far as Beatty is concerned what was interesting about David Stearns is that he feels that Carlos Mendoza will be sort of a mentor for these younger players to make it more comfortable for them at the big league level so I, I think the Mets still hope in the back of their mind that Beatty is the answer at third base for the future I know Mark Vientos will get some time there at third base, even though he's probably more of a, a designated hitter. You have Joey Wendell in the mix. I do think losing Roddy Mauricio for the year was something that was a big loss for the, the future at third base, but it's a fresh start for a kid like Brett Beatty, and yeah, the Mets hope that he takes the keys and runs with it. And, you know, you talked about personalities, and, Pat, you no doubt agree with this, having been around them both last year. Mark Vientos is, I don't know that I'd necessarily call him gregarious, but he's got more of an outgoing personality to be sure and exudes a little bit more self-confidence just when you speak to him, whether it's bravado or just anything else that um, than Brett Beatty does. And so do you sense that Vientos can grab the DH role against primarily lefties and righties and just kind of run with it? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for these guys going into this season whether that's Beatty or Vientos, is the fact that they can go through March knowing that they have an opportunity to make this big league club and contribute on this big league club. It seemed like early last year that no matter what kind of spring training they had, they were still going to end up in AAA. And, you know, we don't get a chance to know these guys that well to that we know exactly what they're thinking, but you have to imagine that there were times when they were looking over their shoulders and thinking, hey, if I go 0 for 3 today... I might not be in the lineup tomorrow. These guys and these young players now have an opportunity to take these jobs and go out there and play every single day without worrying about what's going to happen if they're going to go 0 for 3. And, and I think it's going to be really beneficial for the Mets to allow these young players to contribute and just see what happens. I mean, one season is a small sample size for these guys in their young 20s. And, you know, for Mark Vientos to go out there as the right-handed designated hitter, for Brett Beatty to go out there as the everyday third baseman, uh, I think that it's an opportunity for both of these guys to contribute 
And Steve Cohen has said, the way that you build a championship team is through the farm system with young players. And if Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty can go out there and contribute the way they did in the minor leagues, this team is set up for success in the long term. And one other guy who we haven't touched on yet during this entire show who made a pretty big splash, although, you know, there were inconsistencies at the plate to be sure, but they're going to have a full year of young Francisco Alvarez behind home plate. He'll need to do a little bit of uh, homework, of course, on some of these new pitchers during spring training, but I was surprised, pleasantly so, at the reaction of the pitchers to working with Alvarez last year because uh, wasn't he considered to be a, a project defensively? Everybody knew he'd hit, hit for power, but I think defensively, didn't he surprise some people? Absolutely, and, and he ended up getting two Hall of, future Hall of Famers on his side. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander sung his praises. I know when Scherzer rehabbed in the minor leagues and saw Alvarez before anybody else did, he said, this kid's ready. This kid's going to be you know, have the it factor at the major league level. We've kind of not really talked about him because I think Mets fans expect him to be the guy, maybe the next potential Mike Piazza at the plate because he handled himself so well behind the plate. I think he he ran out of gas last year, and I know he'll probably come in conditioned, ready to catch a 100, 115 games. And I think that's a little protection, too, behind Pete Alonso in the, in the batting order if you have a fresh, healthy, and young exuberant Francisco Alvarez back at Pat, Pat, good news for you is that Alvarez has really picked up the English language beautifully. And so I think you'll be able to enjoy a conversation with him on a personal level, more so than uh, when you had uh, Alan Suriel, who we love, uh, just kind of sticking his nose in as the interpreter. Because, you know, Alan never met a microphone or a camera he didn't like, right? Yeah. and, And, you know, we saw it a little bit at the end of the year last year. Uh, I, we probably did about two or three interviews pregame with Francisco, and I, I know Keith had an opportunity to do an interview with him in English really early on in the year, and then I had an opportunity to do an interview with him in English late in the season. Uh, and it was it was so much fun to watch his progress and the excitement that he had when he would do these interviews uh, in English, and you can imagine that it's only uh, going to get better as he gets more comfortable at the big league level which I also think was why it was so important to bring Glenn Sherlock back as well as the Mets catching coach, because when he and I would speak last year, he would just sing uh, Francisco's praises. So I think having another opportunity to work with him is really going to help his development. Well, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to work with both of you, Keith Ratt and Pat McCarthy, for our second season together on uh, WCBS 880. And so, here we are, a week away from our first broadcast, the Mets and the Cardinals in Port St. Lucie next Saturday, the 24th of February. February 24th, when they are, we're on the air with baseball. It's a different world now, but we're glad to be part of it with Mets Baseball here on WCBS. So, our thanks to Ray Martell and all of the others involved in putting this show together, as well as our guests uh, David Stearns and Sean Manaya. We'll see you next week from Port St. Lucie. Thanks for joining us on our Mets Spring Preview Show. I'm Howie Rose right here on WCBS 880. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best.
best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.